All right, amen. Isn't it great to be in the house of God today? Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord Jesus just the greatest hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Oh, man. It's so awesome to see you guys. And uh, I just want to just let everyone, all of our volunteers, everybody who made uh, yesterday evening possible for us at our Candy Palooza Trunk or Treat event here at the church. It was a fantastic event. And uh, we thank all of you that were able to participate or were able to give. If you had a trunk here, you're able to give candy or you just spread the word about it. Thank you so much. And it was a great outreach to our community. So we just want to definitely let you all uh, know how much that we are appreciative of that. All right. Now, we are in week uh, number four, all right, of our Awakening series. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I believe this is the most important one yet. All right. I believe this is the one that's really going to it's going to do several things. It's going to impact you. It's going to cause you to think. It's uh, hopefully uh, going to be encouraging to you and um, that it will it will really begin to align ourselves. We will be aligning ourselves uh, to what it is exactly that God uh, has in store for us um, as a church as individuals and as a nation. But before we get into the word, can we just go, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, all right? Father God, we love you and we thank you so much. Um, just again, for the opportunity, God, that you allow us to be here, to be in your house, Lord, and to worship you. We thank you, Father, for your presence, the presence, Lord, that surrounds us each and every day. Lord, the very same presence, God, that we're even feeling as we are in your house here this morning. Lord, I ask that we as individuals and we as a church, as the body, will allow your Holy Spirit to move amongst us, God, to challenge us, to change us, to equip us and to encourage us through your word. And we thank you, Father, and we glorify you. In Christ's name we pray and the church says, amen, amen. amen. Awesome. All right. Here's where we're going to start out with this statement. We believe the entire Bible to be inspired we believe that it is the infallible word of God. We believe that scripture is the revelation of God's will for man and that it is divine and the final authority within the Christian life. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 through 17, read this. All, everyone say all. 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 Let that resonate with inside of you for a moment, especially as we go through these next few moments through this message this morning. But we see right there a very important word that tells us that there's nothing left out of Scripture, but the entirety of Scripture is what? God breathed and it is useful. In other words, the Bible was just never intended to be read, but it was intended to be in every single part of your life. But it says it's God breathed and is useful for what? Teaching. For rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for, here's another word, every good work. Two of the most important disciplines within the Christ follower's life are these, prayer and the reading of God's word. Yeah. And let's just be completely honest here. We have many voices a lot of noise that is speaking to all of us, trying to convince you their way or their side is the absolute and the correct way. If you are like me, I want to hear truth. Yeah. Come on. 
I don't want to be swayed by anything other than the absolute truth. And so the goal here this morning is for us to see within Scripture that it can be fully trusted and to understand that not only be trusted, but that the Bible must be lived out within our lives. Now, Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 reads this way to us. Heaven and earth will pass away. In other words, what is that saying? That things here on earth, things in the heavens will what? Change. But my words will not pass away. Will what? Never pass away. How do we know this? Well, we're going to look at five reasons this morning as to why we can be fully trusting that the Bible is fully reliable that it is that infallible word. And the first one is this. The Bible is historically accurate. Yeah. Many people will say this. Well, there's many great principles, but the stories sound just a little bit made up to me. For instance, I don't know about this Noah story and I don't understand this whole Jonah thing with a, with a fish. It sounds to me like they're more like metaphors. History, however, provides the proof or the validity within Scripture. Understanding this, that the Bible is not just a book full of great principles. While, yes, it has great principles, it is not just full of great principles, but that Scripture is absolute and fully accurate. Psalms 33 and 4 reads, For the word of the Lord is what? Right and true. Now, historians will tell you this, that for something to be historically accurate, it has to go through three tests. The first test that it has to go through is eyewitness tests. These are not hearsay stories, but we understand within Scripture that the majority of the Bible was actually written not through hearsay and stories, but by the actual people who experienced the actual events. They were actually there. What is very interesting is that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right there within the New Testament, we have four different writers, all who come to write the exact same message, never one time, so they, did they collaborate on the message? And yet, in no way, shape, or fashion does either of their writings contradict the other. For instance, you and I can go somewhere, as an example, we can go somewhere and we can experience something exactly the same, but yet still come away with a different story about it. Here we have individuals Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you look at those four Gospels there, those four Gospels were written and neither one of them contradict the other. What is very interesting to me is that within the Old Testament, Moses didn't hear a story about the Red Sea, did he? No, he experienced it. How about this? Here's another one. Another proof recorded and copied with extreme care. God has entrusted some of the most meticulous people on the planet to do this job. And that is what? The Jewish nation. 
The Jewish scribes have a standard that no one else on earth had or has when it comes to recording history. They transfer words, but not only words, they actually break it down letter by letter when they made these transcripts. Now, now when the Dead Sea came about, the scrolls were found, rather, they were not found until the 1940s or the 1950s. And it is said that they matched up to one of these copies of the ancient texts. And they matched perfectly. They matched word for word. And they matched letter by letter. Archaeological confirmation. They are still excavating areas and finding out that what they read or what they have seen within Scripture is actually coming to be and that it is true. Now, listen, I know that I'm, I'm sitting here in a room and I'm believing this, that I'm sitting in a room who, with people or, or watching online or listening to us on the radio with people who believe in this text. Yeah, I do. I believe that. I believe in this setting you have no problem agreeing with what I'm talking about right now. But we must go further here. Even if we had none of this in the historical means of, of um, proving that the Bible is accurate, we have the second one, and that is this. It is scientifically accurate. You see, because God is the God of this universe... And because he created everything, he then created the laws of this universe as well. Science changes all the time. But watch this. In Psalm 148, verses 5 through 6, it reads this way. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for he issued his command. What does that mean? He issued his command is really referencing that he has set all things in order. Okay? It goes on to say, and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. Now listen, science changes, but God has never changed. He's never had to update these truths. The Bible has not changed. Our, our definition and our um, understanding may have changed. He goes on to say, his degree will never be revoked. In 1861, the French Academy of Science came up with 56 incontrovertible scientific facts that, the, that prove that the Bible is wrong. Since 1861, all 51 have been controverted. They were wrong, and the Bible has what? Always been true. How about this? Not what the Bible actually says, but what the Bible, but what about what the Bible doesn't say? You see, there was science in the error that, of the time of when the Bible was written. And those claims never make it within scripture. Here's one. In this time frame, they believed that the earth was flat. 
if they could have just read scripture, they would have known that's not so. Watch this. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, it says what? God sits enthroned above the circle, or it's actually uh, um, translated in the Hebrew as sphere of the earth. Another common belief during the time that the Bible was written was this. The earth had to be held up. I find this to be just ridiculous. Listen, the Greeks believed in the Greek God of Athens and that he held it up. The Hindus believed that the earth sat on the back of an elephant, which stood on the back of a sea turtle, which stood on the back of a serpent that swam in the sea. How ridiculous can that be? Moses was trained under the Egyptian teaching that believed that the earth stood on five pillars. But nowhere do we see within the writings of Moses where he even mentions that. The oldest book of the Bible, which is not in place chronologically, is the book of Job. Job chapter 26 and verse 7 reads this way. He spreads out the what? Northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. It was believed in this era that the, you could count the number of stars. In 150 BC, the counting of the stars came to 1,022 of them. That sounds ridiculous to us because we have a, a greater understanding that you can't do that. Count them, exactly. 300 years later, they realized they made a mistake. They were off by four. 1,026. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 33 and 22, the stars of the sky cannot be what? Counted. I'm laying a lot of foundation here for just a little while, okay? So bear with me. Here's another belief. Too much blood made you sick. In this era, if you were ill, what they would do is they would bleed you out. And, and, and so our, even our first president died from this over three separate times of bleeding out, he died. We know the opposite to be true, that there's what? Life in the blood. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says, for the life of the body is in its blood. In the Middle Ages, now we're all familiar with what we're about to talk about here, okay? In the Middle Ages, time, the time during the Black Plague that killed one out of four people, they had no concept that germs traveled from person to person. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 4 reads, the priest will quarantine the person for seven days. Or for us, 14, right? Listen, man did not write this book. God wrote this book. We can understand through just two points that I've already given you that this Bible is what? Historically accurate and it is scientifically accurate. Let's read in Psalm 12, 6. It says this. And the words of the Lord are what? Flawless. If the word of God is flawless, then we have a responsibility to believe every single thing within this book. So it's like silver purified and a crucible like gold refined seven times. It's historically accurate. 
It's scientifically accurate. Number three, it's prophetically accurate. If man wrote this and all of these things inside of it then must be foretold and come true. And if any one of the prophecies mentioned in the Bible do not come true, then you have to throw this entire book out. There are over 1,000 prophecies within Scripture. Well over 300 of them mention Christ and prophesy on him alone. In fact, the last prophecy mentioned of the birth of Christ came 400 years before Jesus was ever born. And that prophecy specifically laid out where he would be born, that he would flee Egypt, where he lived. And David, King David, went on to prophesy as as far as saying that this Jesus, this Messiah would be crucified even before crucifixions were ever a thing. Second Peter chapter one, verse 21 reads this way. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. In other words, prophecy was not about man coming up with these thoughts, okay? But what? Prophets. Though human spoke from God as they were carried along, I love this, why? By what? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, You can trust the prophecies. You can trust the prophets. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 56, it reads this way. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. The scriptures have, have spoken of at this time, in this moment, was speaking, Jesus, about the Old Testament prophets. And listen, there are still many prophets, prophecies rather, yet to be fulfilled. But I don't want to be on the wrong side of this one. Revelation chapter 22, verse 6. The Bible reads this way. The angel said to me, these are words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place place. And these things are taking place. Prophetically, the prophecies prove the accuracy and the validity of the Bible, along with the historical accuracy and the scientific accuracy. This Bible is infallible. It is the absolute God-breathed word, and it is flawless in everything that it mentions and says. It communicates to you absolute truth when we are living in an era of a lack of. Number four, and what I feel is probably one of the most important points that we're going to talk about. It is that it is trusted by Jesus. Here we go. I love Jesus. I trust Jesus but I don't know about the rest of that book. Let me help you out. You cannot trust Jesus without trusting the Bible. Jesus trusted the Bible and in order for you to trust Jesus, you also must trust the Bible. 
You must trust what he trusted. Matthew chapter five, verse 18 reads, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Well, pastor, the world around us is changing and society has brought other defining definitions to things that we can do and we cannot do. Society is causing us to have to relook at scripture and, and how we are aligning ourselves with it. Don't let the Bible Don't allow this word to be compromised in any way, in any shape, in any fashion. These scriptures are the absolute truth. If you believe with, the Bible, with, with what you like in the Bible and don't believe with what you don't like in the Bible, then your belief isn't in the Bible, it's in you. Let me say that again. If you believe what you like in the Bible, but yet don't believe what the Bible is saying and what you don't like, then your belief is not in the Bible. It is in yourself. The Bible is way more reliable than our minds. I can't trust me. Let me take it even further. I cannot trust anyone within my culture and what the world I live in that says is okay or not okay. I must fully trust in the word of God. And it's never so real for us right now with what season of life we are living in. This word must be our roadmap. This word must be the communication that is dictating our decisions. Not a political party. We are about to vote in the most important election to have ever come in my lifetime, in your lifetime, and arguably within the history of the United States. And we must align ourselves to the will, to the purpose, and to the plan of God, regardless of every rhetoric that we might be hearing. We must, we as Christ followers, and I'm saying this extremely passionately, we must align ourselves within Scripture. We have gone through several points here, and arguably, I would say we all agree with what I've spoken. You have to. We looked at Scripture, we proved it. God Himself has proven it. But we love agreeing until it challenges us and causes us to feel somewhat uncomfortable over the things that we believe or yet are living out. Here's what we would rather do. We would rather align ourselves to a party because of tradition than to allow ourselves to scripture. That poses a major problem. If we find ourselves struggling in that, then we know that this, we must allow prayer to align us. We talked about that last week. 
If we are struggling with in living in the purpose, plan, and will, if we are struggling within living within what this word of God says, then we must take it before the Lord and we must say, Father, align me with your truth, with your purpose, with your plan. We need to have an understanding that sin is costly. Here is where you're challenged and whether or not you are fully trusting scripture and what it says and what you do. But whether or not you are fully trusting Jesus Christ. We have issues such as this within our society of same-sex marriage, transgender lifestyles, pro-choice or pro-life. That's just naming a few. I'm going to read an excerpt from a book of a study that we are currently doing on Wednesday nights called Tipping Point. The end is close because of the moral and the spiritual depravity or the condition of our present society. That the authority of scripture is under attack, even inside many of our churches. That little by little culture is forced, cultural forces have joined in an all out attack on everything that the Bible or that scripture says to us or teaches us. That many people are increasingly having the claim that the Bible contains hate speech. Atheism is rising. In the past few years, a new religious status has grown significant within the United States, made up of people who check the box none on surveys that ask for a religious affiliation. 2013, the Harris Poll found that 23% of all Americans have forsaken religion altogether. That 34 to 36% of all millennials claim no religious affiliation. That 55.8 million U.S. citizens see no purpose for religion within their lives. Many churches across the U.S., and you will see that many have openly rejected the clear teachings of the Bible. Entire denominations have become pro-choice or pro-abortion. And in fact, they're funneling funds into these companies. Growing numbers of congregations have ordained practicing homosexuals. Some groups have chosen practicing homosexuals as their top denominational leaders. Several denominations actively promote same-sex weddings and marriages. This issue is dividing American congregations and denominations within the church world. And it should not. Many churches no longer believe within the authority of scripture. No longer believe in the actual hell or the devil. Consider, if the Bible is lying to us about hell, why should we ever think that it is speaking truth about heaven? The reality is that America is where she is because the church has failed to fully trust and become reliable within scripture. Take a look in Romans chapter one. Paul is writing a letter here. Starting with verse eight, going through verse 32. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you 
because your faith is being reported all over the world. God in whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. In order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I love this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because why? It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will what? Live by faith. Here we go. You ready? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Can I help you here? Look, plain to us. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being what understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claim to be wise, they have become fools. Can I stop for one moment right there? Many have said we are the wisest generations to have ever lived through the advancement of technology. <laughs> I would say the Bible is calling us foolish, wouldn't you? And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Here we go. Therefore, can you put a smile on? Just put a smile on your face. Listen up. We believe the Bible's true, do we? Therefore, God gave them over in, their, in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations with unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed 
shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, here we go. Don't stop there. We need to go a little further within here. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to the depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. You understand? What ought not to be done? They have, been, they have been become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're filled with what? Envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve what? Death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. That sounds very familiar to me. What is it going to be the final authority within your life? The word or the world? You see, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 24 and 25 say, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but what? The word of God or the word of the Lord endures forever. This is your absolute truth. You can argue with me till you're blue in the face. But this is what I believe. And this is what I am fully convinced in. Why? Because number five, this word has transforming power. This word will change your life. John chapter eight, verses 31 through 32 says this. Jesus said, Listen, Jesus said, if you hold, well, in order to hold, you first have to grab it. Right. And if you don't believe it fully, you're not holding it at all. Yeah. We must hold. That means we need to grab a hold of this scripture. We need to grab a hold of this word. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the what? Truth will set you free. Will you stand with me this morning? This Bible will change you and it will set you free. We know this, that the word of God is historically accurate. It is scientifically accurate. We know that the word of God is prophetically accurate. We know that the word of God is trusted by Jesus himself. And we know that the word of God offers to each and every one who is willing to do as Jesus said, and that is to grab it or hold on to it. It gives transforming power. And you and I, we have a responsibility as Christ followers 
And that is not to waver away from how scripture is leading us in life and what the Bible says is correct and how we should live out our lives. It's not enough for us to just allow the actions to come from us, but it's, it, it, we must allow the word to change our hearts. We must allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. This needs to be the plan of the decisions that you make within life. Not a group of people, not a political party, not a candidate, but God's word. And when we are aligning ourselves in God's word, we are aligning ourselves in God's desire and what it is that he wants to do in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. You may be here, you may be watching us online, listening to us on the radio, and you don't know who this Jesus Christ is. You, you, you're, you're, you're not sure what this message of hope that I've been talking about is. But yet you're feeling a draw. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. And the only way that this Bible can lead you in your life is first, you must make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that the only way to the Son is, or the only way to the Father is through the Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and that is being extended to you today and if that is you and you want to make this choice I'm asking that you will pray this prayer with me in fact all of us in this room if we would pray this prayer this morning together let's pray Lord Jesus today I come before you and I realize that I need your word to guide me in my life And I realize that I need to make a decision today to serve you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I repent to you this day. You are my Lord. You are my master. And you are my savior. Lead me, Father, in your plan, purpose, and will for my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise? Amen. Now here we are as followers of Christ. We've been given a challenge today. In fact, we've been given a lot of challenges every day of life here lately. And we have a choice to make. We can listen to the voices around us or we can listen to his voice. A lot of times people say, you know, I've never heard the voice of God. If you've read the Bible, you've heard the voice of God. If you need direction, you listen to the voice of God. If you need hope, you come to the voice of God. If you need encouragement, you come to the voice of God. If you need direction, you come to the voice of God. This is the absolute truth. Not this. 
This is the truth. So the challenge has been laid before us today. The challenge of what are you going to live your life by? We say that we believe in the scriptures and that it's historically and scientifically and prophetically accurate. We don't denounce that. We don't deny that. But are we living that? And the choices that we are making, are we living that out? Jesus trusted. And if we say we trust Jesus, then we have to trust this book. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through seasons of life where this book is what has encouraged me. This book in different passages is what's brought transforming power. And this book will continue to reign even after we don't. It will stand forever. Let me pray with you today. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, we thank you for what you're speaking to us. We thank you, God, for the challenge, the conviction, Lord, that's been laid before us today. We cannot argue against your word. Your word is the only stability that we have within our life. And we as Christ followers need to recognize that and stop wavering, but become committed, Lord, to your word. Father, I know today I accept that challenge. My prayer is that many others that are here or watching us online or listening to us, God, that they too will accept the challenge that's been laid before us. That the only thing that I will be convinced by, Lord, is you, your written word. We thank you for it. We thank you for this gem, Lord, that you have given us in our lives. So God, may we live it out. May we align ourselves in this word. May we become fully saturated, Father, in your word. Not allowing anything else to replace it. May our attention, may our thoughts, may our speech, may our actions be aligned, Father, within this word. Lord, as the psalmist said, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.
God, we come before you today wanting to worship you, wanting to experience your presence. We know that you're with us every day, but we pray that today we would experience it in a way that's tangible, in a way that we can perceive, in a way that is memorable to us. And so that we would know that you're with us everywhere. Let's sing.
stars they wept The morning sun was dead The savior of the world was falling His body on the cross His blood poured out for us The weight of every curse
death straight in the face so that that's something we can do too we can wake up to a new way of living where we treat people right where we love those that don't love us where we take punishment from people and yet we see the same lamb take punishment from evil people and rise again vindicated by the Father. I pray that that's us as a church today listening to the words of God. Amen. Hey, before you're seated, I want you just right where you are, can we give this the greatest hand clap of praise, the greatest moment of praise with inside of you this morning to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. No. Amen. Wow. Man, has this not been a wonderful time of worship this morning? Wow. And absolutely incredible. I so bad want you to slap the neighbor beside you a high five. But that's probably against the rules. So, you know, that's cool. That's cool. Actually, you guys can be seated. Be seated. Oh, go right ahead. 
Amen. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, can we give the Lord another hand color of praise this morning? Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, it just never gets old. Just God, God never gets old, right? Like never. It's a miraculous. I love seeing God move in these moments that we're, you know, having here this morning. And the first service was also fantastic. And now we get to experience it with you guys. And, uh, you know, I, I just normally we have video announcements. I said, scrap it. Let's just get right into it. You know what I mean? When you're feeling it, you're feeling it. You got to go with it. Amen. So we are in our um, fourth message um, on this sermon series called Awaken. All right. And what I want to do before we go any further is I just want to have a word of prayer with you, if that's all right. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, you have no doubt in our minds allowed your presence to be felt in this place. And God, we're just so thankful for that. We love you so much, Father. And Lord, as we are continued to be gathered here this morning, um, God, just allow your Holy Spirit just to continue throughout the rest of the service to just really infiltrate us, Lord. May we feel your presence, God. May we uh, sense your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us in everything that we do. Father, God, that um, we will open our minds and our hearts, Lord, to be receptive of the message that you've intended for this moment, for this time. Because, Lord, such a time as this. And, Lord, everything that we go through in life, God, you have directed our paths within it. And so even in this moment this morning, there's no doubt, Lord, that you have directed us to where we are right now. And so, God, just pour out your spirit to us through your scriptures as we go forward. In Christ's name, church says amen. 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 Awesome. Hey, listen, we love you guys. And those of you who are here, welcome to Church by the Beach, watching us online. Welcome, as well as listening to us on the radio. Now, here we go. We're going to start off with a statement that we believe very much within our church, and it is this. We believe the entire Bible to be this, inspired. It is the inspired, infallible word of God. It is what? The revelation of God's will for man, and it is the divine authority, final authority for the Christian's life. Now, we're going to take a look in Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says all. Somebody say all. all. Do you know that all means like everything, right? You understand that? The entirety. The entire, you know, if you got a Bible, hold that up for a second. If you got your phone and you got your Bible on it, hold that up. Let me help you out. All. Genesis through Revelation. All Scripture is God-breathed. And is useful. Meaning what? The Bible was never just intended to be read, but intended to be applied to your life. Useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. So why, why is God giving it? So that we can be equipped. Not just equipped, not partially, but what? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the two most important disciplines for any Christ follower falls into these two things. One, praying. Two, the reading of God's word. And listen, we may have and we do have many voices in our lives that are speaking to us. And listen, these voices are getting louder and louder all the time. 
All right. Voices that are trying to convince you their way or their side is the right way. Right. In actuality, all you want to hear and all you want to know, and this is for me, all I want to experience is absolute truth. So what I want us to do this morning as we go through God's scriptures, I want us to be able to walk away from here saying, I am fully trusting God's word. And having an understanding that not only am I to trust in it, but listen, this is very important, but that I'm also living this out. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. This is what scripture tells us. Heaven and earth will pass away. What does that mean? That means earthly things, the heavens, what? These things will change. But he goes on to say, but my words will never pass away. And how do we know this? How, how do we know that this is true? How, how do we know that this is absolutely accurate? I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you five things this morning that are going to help show you the accuracy to the scriptures. Number one, the Bible, this is what it is. It is historically accurate. Listen, we could, we'll say things like this and you've heard things like this. Look, it's full of great principles, but I can't help but think that the stories are just a little bit made up. I mean, look at the whole Noah thing. Look at, you know, Jonah, this big fish, you know, great metaphors. Lots of metaphors, lots of stories. Well, I'm going to help you out. History is proving that the Bible has validity. That is not just a book of great principles. While it holds and encompasses many great principles, it is not just a book full of great principles, but this book is absolutely, fully, 100%, with no doubt, accurate. Amen. Psalm chapter 33, verse 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. Now, historians will tell you that in order to prove something, there is a, 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 a set of three tests that it must pass through. The first one of those three is the eyewitness account. These are not just stories, but what we read within Scripture are actually eyewitness accounts. They're not just hearsay. The fact of the matter is this, that the majority of the Bible is written by people who didn't hear the stories from generation to generation passed down, but they were actually there in that moment, in that season. If you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all written by different authors, yet still have the exact same message. These authors, these who wrote those books, never came together and collaborated, but yet their message never contradicted one another. Absolutely amazing. You look in the Old Testament with Moses. He didn't hear the story about the Red Sea when he wrote about it or in order to write about it. He literally experienced the event. So we look through scripture and we see here that it is not only just, you know, stories, but the real life events that actually took place. All right. Now, here's another one. A test that it must pass. 
must be recorded and copied with extreme care. God's word. It was entrusted by some of the most meticulous individuals ever to be on this earth in order for it to be translated. And that was through the Jewish nation. The Jewish scribes have a standard that no one else on earth has when it comes to recording history. That when they transfer words, they just don't do the words by themselves, but they actually transfer and break it down by the letter itself. In fact, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were not even found until the 1940s and the 1950s, were matched up with these ancient copies of the text. And it, they matched perfectly word for word and letter by letter. Again, giving proof to the accuracy of God's word, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. The third thing it must pass through is an archaeological confirmation. And even to this day, they are continually excavating areas and, and, and bringing um, and, and finding that these things are coming to be as they find new proof that the Bible is absolutely true. So we know that the Bible is true historically. It's, there's proof there to it. We see within Scripture, we know that the eyewitnesses accounts are the ones who wrote and were a part of this Scripture. So we have an understanding that the Bible is historically accurate. But number two, watch this. It is scientifically accurate as well. You see, God is the God of this universe. And because he has created everything, he has then also created the laws of this universe. Science changes all the time. How many times have you ever looked on a social media post or a news outlet of some sort and something has either been proven or disproven? Quite a bit. Let's take a look in Psalm chapter 148, verses 5 through 6. Hey, just wait. I'm going to nail it here in just a little bit. Watch and see. 148, 5 and 6 says, Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For he issued his command. What does that mean? That means he set everything in order. Okay. When God issues his command, he's setting in order. And they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. Understanding that science changes and must be updated as new truths are revealed. But the Bible is what? The absolute truth. And it's never changing. Scripture goes on to say, his decree will never be revoked. And the year was 1861. The French Academy of Science came up with 51 incontrovertible scientific facts that prove that the Bible is wrong. Since 1861, all 51 of those facts have been controverted. They were wrong and the Bible has always been true. Now, how about this? It's not what the Bible actually says. But what about what the Bible doesn't say? You see, in this era that the scriptures that we read and that we teach from and you hear sermons from, there was science in that era. But you never see within scripture where their science 
comes out. Watch. They believed in this time, in this era, that the earth was flat. If they would have just read the Bible 260 some years before they thought of this, they would have known that it was not so. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22 says this. God sits on enthroned above the circle. In the Hebrew, that's defined as a sphere of the earth. Another common belief during the time that the Bible was being written was this. The earth had to be held up. I find this to be just ridiculous. The Greeks had a God by the name of Athens. They believed that he held the earth up like this. The Hindus believe, still believe that the earth sat on the back of an elephant, which stood on the back of a sea turtle, which stood on the back of a serpent, and that swam in the sea. Come on, man. Ridiculous. Here we go. Watch this. The Egyptians believed that the earth stood on five pillars. Moses was trained in the wisdom of the Egyptians. But yet their beliefs never show up within the Bible, even in the first five books of it. The oldest book of the Bible. It's not chronologically set within the time frame that we see it and how it is. But the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. Job chapter 26, verse 7, writes this way. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. It was believed in this era when they wrote the Bible, the scriptures, that the number of the stars could be counted. In 150 BC, the counting of the stars came to 1,022. 300 years later, they found out that they were proven wrong. They were off by four. 1,026. Jeremiah says it this way. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 22, he says, The stars of the sky cannot be counted. Here's a belief that they had. Too much blood made you sick. If you were ill, their thinking was we would bleed you out. They didn't realize that there was life in blood. In fact, our first president was bleeded out three separate occasions. And on the third one, he died. We know the opposite to be true. That what? There is life in the blood. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says this. For the life of the body is in its blood. All right. Here's one that should hit really should hit home hard right here. Okay. In the Middle Ages, the time during the Black Plague killed one out of four people. They had no concept that germs could be spread from one person to another. You're socially distant. Leviticus 13 and 4 says this, the priest will quarantine the person for seven days. Maybe our government needs to hear that, not 14, right? That's a joke, okay? Why am I saying this? Because man did not write this book. God wrote this book. This book that we have is God breathed. It's inspired by God through the power of his Holy Spirit 
to these authors, to these writers. Why? So that we have some things to be encouraged of in life. Why? So that when I'm facing all hell in my life and I decide to break open the scriptures in my devotional time and God begins to speak to me and what does he do? He breathes life into me. He brings encouragement into me. This book is full of absolute truth. It's not just historically accurate and it's not just, listen, it's not just scientifically accurate. Psalm 12, six, and the words of God are what? Flawless. You need to understand that the words of God are flawless. There's no error in them. And we must believe this word. This can't be something that we just look at on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night through a teaching. It can't be something that we just open up to do a time of devotion. This book is life. This book is full of direction. This book is full of power. This book is our foreseeable future. Like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. So we know the Bible to be a book that is historically accurate. We know the Bible to be a book that is scientifically accurate. Now we also will know this. The Bible is a book that is what? Prophetically accurate. If any one of the prophecies mentioned within these scriptures does not come true, you have to throw the whole thing out. The entire thing. Listen, there are over a thousand prophecies written within the scripture. Well over 300 that mention Jesus alone. The last prophecy mentioned, mentioning Jesus' birth. Listen to this. Listen, listen. The last, I want you to hear this. The last prophecy that mentions the birth of Jesus in it actually happened 400 years prior to the birth of Christ. 400. That was the last one. And do you know that those prophecies were absolutely accurate? They said where he'd be born, where he would live, that his family would flee Egypt. Do you know that King David within the scriptures here prophesied about Christ, that he would actually be crucified even before crucifixions ever existed? The Bible is historically accurate. Scientifically accurate. It's prophetically accurate. Watch this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says this. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you can trust those prophets. Matthew chapter 26, verse 56 says this, but this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in scriptures. The scriptures spoken of at this time, that was speaking of the Old Testament. There are many prophecies yet to be filled and we are yet experiencing many prophecies being fulfilled right now. And here's the deal. We don't want to be on the wrong side of these prophecies. Trust me. Especially the era, the culture, society, the timeline that you and I are living right now. Let's take a look. Revelation 22, verse 6 says this. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, 
the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon come. What does that mean? They're going to happen. They're going to take place. Prophetically, the prophecies prove the accuracy and the validity of God's word. And if that is not enough, this is my favorite one of all. It's prophetically accurate, it's historically accurate, it's scientifically accurate, and it's trusted by Jesus. It's trusted by him. Listen, oh, I love Jesus. I trust Jesus, but I just can't trust that entire book. Here's the truth for you. You cannot trust Jesus without trusting the Bible. Jesus, in fact, trusted the Bible. And in order to trust Jesus, you must also trust what he trusted. Matthew chapter five, verse 18 says this, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything, everything, everything is accomplished. Well, pastor, you see, the world around us has changed. And society has defined some things for us that just don't align with Scripture. So the Bible must change. Let me help you out. Don't let the Bible change in order to fit you, but rather you change in order to fit what the Bible says. Can I, can I repeat that? Don't let the Bible change in order to fit you. But rather you change in order to fit the scripture. If you believe what you like in the Bible, but don't believe in what you don't like, it's not the Bible you trust, it's yourself. The Bible is way more reliable than my mind, than your mind, and any other mind. You see, I can't trust in me. Let me take it even further. I can't trust in my culture. I can't trust in the society, the world that I'm living in right now, what it, what it says is okay and what is not okay. I must fully trust within Scripture. Now, look, we've gone through several things here, and, and I believe that I'm, I'm in a room with a majority anyway, or watching online or listening, the majority of people fully believe in this scripture. Some of you are going, Pastor, you're spinning your wheels. You're wasting your time. I know this already. I am already fully believing it. Well, we love agreeing on things until it challenges us and causes us to feel uncomfortable over the things that we believe or yet living out. See, what we are about to do is go into one of the most important votes of my lifetime, your lifetime, and quite arguably and historically the lifetime or the, 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 since the existence of this great country that we live in. Why am I saying this? It's because we must align ourselves to Scripture. And aligning ourselves in scripture is then aligning ourselves to God's purpose, plan, and will. 
You see, we would rather align ourselves to a political party because tradition says so. We would rather align ourselves to a political party because of tradition than really aligning ourselves according to Scripture. Can I help you out? That poses to be a very major problem. Anytime you look historically that anything that went against God's will, God's wrath came. If you find yourself struggling in this, if we find ourselves struggling, aligning ourselves to God's Bible, his scripture, his word, what is the answer? What do we do? How do we get ourselves back in tune and according to God's plan? What we did and what we talked about last week, and that's praying. Listen, there's things that all of us struggle with when we read God's word that we're challenged in. It doesn't mean that the Bible's wrong. It means the Bible's right. And our way of thinking and our decision-making is what is flawed. And so how do, we, how do we correct that? We go to God in prayer. Do you understand what prayer is? One of the greatest things about prayer is what us aligning ourselves to God. We have issues in the world that we live in right now, such as this, same-sex marriage, transgender lifestyles, pro-choice or pro-life. That's just naming a few. I'm going to read an excerpt from a study that we're doing here on Wednesday nights from Pastor Jimmy Evans called The Tipping Point. And this is what I'm going to read to you. The end is so close because of the moral and spiritual depravity or condition of our present society. Do you see what I set you up for? That the authority of scripture is under attack, even from the inside of what we call the Institute of the Church. That little by little culture forces have joined in an all out attack on everything that the Bible is teaching. Many people are increasingly claiming that the Bible contains hate speech. Atheism is rising each year. In the past few years, a new religious status has grown significant within the United States, made up of people who check the box, none on surveys when it comes to what is their religious affiliation. In 2013, the Harris Poll found that 23% of all Americans have forsaken religion altogether. That 34 to 36% of millennials claim no religious affiliation. That 55.8 of U.S. citizens see no purpose for religion in their lives. Many churches across the U.S. will see, we see that you will see have openly rejected the clear teachings of the Bible. Entire denominations have become pro-choice or pro-abortion even to the point of significantly sending funds to these abortion providers or these clinics or these different businesses. Growing numbers of congregations have ordained practicing homosexuals. Some groups have been choosing practicing homosexuals as their top denominational leaders. 
Several denominations activity promote same-sex weddings and marriages, thus creating a great divide within the church today. Many churches no longer believe in the authority of Scripture. Multitudes of those same churches no longer believe in an actual hell or devil. Consider this. If the Bible is lying to us about hell, why would you even think it's telling you the truth about heaven? The reality is that America is where she is is because of the depravity and the failure of the church to fully trust God's word. In Romans chapter one, Paul is writing a letter. I like this letter. You should too. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported over all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last my God's by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to become unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Verse 14, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I love this, verse 16. What does it say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been what? Clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let us not be of the foolish. Although they claim to be wise... Hold on. Do you know that it is said that the generations that are living right now are thought to be the wisest that have ever existed? Hmm. Although they claim to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for the images made to look like mortal human being 
birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24. You're going to like it. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Do not be a person to give yourself over to the lie that the society and the culture and the world that we are living in is trying to teach. This is your truth. Because of this, God gave them over to the shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. And we can stop there and we can say, yes, that is what we believe. But that is not who we put into power. Look at the truth of the Bible. Look at it. Challenge us, Father. Make us stand once again upon this word. And not upon what social media. But it doesn't stop there. Furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to the depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They be what? Filled with every, every, every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, Depravity, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. Listen up, you gossipers, slanderers, God-haters. You are insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Come on now. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve what? Death. They not only continue to do these very things, but they're also approving of those who practice them. There's your challenge. What is going to be the final authority within your life? This world, the teachings and the views of it, or is it going to be this word? First Peter chapter one, verse 24 through 25 says this, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures what? Forever, forever, forever. What does it do? It endures, it lasts. It will never fade away. It will never go away. You cannot explain it away. It is the word. Why? Why is it so great? Because it's historically accurate. It's scientifically accurate. It's prophetically accurate. Hello, it's trusted by Christ himself. And number five, it has transforming power. It will change your life. I'm going to end on this scripture. John chapter eight, verses 31 through 32. And Jesus says it this way. 
Look, you got to pay attention. Jesus said it, right? He says this, if you hold. Stop there for me. You, you, you need to understand that word, if you hold. You need to understand that phrase, if you hold. See, I'm holding this word in my hand right now. I have it in my possession. Why? Because I, I'm holding it. But something has to happen in order for us to hold it. Here's what you got to do. You got to grab it. You have to grab it. When you grab it, then you have it. It's in your possession. And Jesus says it this way. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know what? The truth. (laughs) And the truth will set you free. Free. It doesn't say it's going to keep you in condemnation. No. Condemnation is just everything to drive us away from God. But the word of God will bring something into your life. It'll bring conviction. What does conviction do? It draws me to the foot of the cross. To Jesus Christ. The one that gave up his life for you and I, that the Bible says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not, what? Perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, listen, the only way to the Father is through the Son. What's he saying? It's through me. We can't grab onto this word if we don't have Jesus first. I want you to stand with me this morning. There's Some of you here today, possibly you don't know who this Jesus Christ is. You, you, you may feel compelled by hearing a message that I need the Bible, I need it to be a part of my life. Well, let me help you out. The Bible's no good to you unless you have Christ. It's a love letter written to you, specifically to you, personally to you. And the only way it has any value to your life is to be in relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. So the opportunities come for us. I'll not forget my moment, February the 6th, 1997. Fantastic time. Changed my life forever. Changed, excuse me, changed my eternity. And I want to give that opportunity to you today. So every about every eye close. You don't know who this Jesus Christ is or you feel compelled, you feel that tugging at you. Let me help. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You're watching us online. You're in your home or in, in your kitchen or wherever you may be or you're in your car listening to this and you feel God's presence with you because he's getting your attention right now. Saying you need to accept my son. Now's the time. Stop delaying. Because every day that we live, we're drawing closer to where God will send his son to call for his bride. And I want to take as many people with me as possible. So I want to ask you this. If you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, I want all of us to pray this prayer this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I need your word in my life. 
So Lord Jesus, I come before you this day and I accept you as my Lord and my master and my savior. Forgive me of my sins and I repent before you today. Lead me, Lord, in your purpose, plan, and will for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise this morning for that? Now listen, God has given us direction today. There's no doubt, you don't know how long this message has been in me. Brad does. I came to him several months ago and said, it's coming. I got one. Can't wait. This word is real. It's true. It's accurate. And it needs to be applied to your life. Your decisions need to follow this. This doesn't need to follow your decisions. Your decisions need to follow this. You understand that? God is speaking to us as the church, as a whole. We have an awesome responsibility and that is to fulfill that great commission and spreading the gospel message all throughout this land. How can we do that if we don't know it? How can we do that if we're not experiencing it? How can we do that if we're not living it? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be fake news. Be a part of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for every person here watching, listening, wherever they may be. There's no doubt in my mind, Lord, that we have felt your spirit today. You've challenged us. And God, we accept that challenge. Lord, we want your word to be the guide of our lives, to be the direction. Lord, we understand it's historically accurate, Lord. It's scientifically accurate. It's prophetically accurate. And God, that, all that's only for us. It's not for you. You just allow that to be for us. Jesus, you trust this word. So therefore we need to trust, help us to trust it. Let us understand that there is power in this word, power to transform any situation within our lives. There's power in it. May we give ourselves over to this word. May we live in it, breathe in it, sleep in it, eat in it, God. May everything about us be centered upon that word. Father, we love you. I thank you for every individual. Help us, Lord, in our decision-making, especially here soon, that we align with you, Father, and what you want and what you have desired. And as the psalmist said, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.